0: This is the FrogCast.
1: Welcome to the FrogCast. We have got a show to get into tonight. We're going to talk about some transitions in leadership at TCU, recruits, commits, decommits, that, and so much more on this episode of the FrogCast. Well, when somebody that's been so critical to the leadership of TCU, especially the football program, steps away, it sends shockwaves through Twitter, through message boards, text messages, and people that are invested in this program. I just gotta be honest. I I never thought I would see the day that this guy would step away from the program. Uh, he said it was time. I've appreciated everything he's done. And I'm sure you saw it online, but Jeremiah Glenn is stepping away from twenty four seven. So Jeremiah, I just wanna give you the platform here to uh offer offer some words to the people that have followed you for all these years at TCU.
2: Thanks guys. You know, I appreciate the kind words, but uh you know, Texas was offering more money. I, I could I couldn't pass it up, so uh, i'll be moving down to Austin here starting on monday i 'm looking forward to it.
1: You are chip Brown in training you <laughs> you've kind of learned from the, from the from the young up and comer Jeremy Clark, but now you 're ready to go learn from the Zen master himself so <laughs> If you didn't know, Jeremiah is at the end of signing our second signing day in February, wrapping up his time at twenty four seven for Horn Fog Blitz. Going to stick around the board. I'm sure we'll drag him on the podcast every now and then for sure. But um, I just wanted to start the show by recognizing that and thank you for everything you've done. Thank you. The second most. Imp- the second most important resignation is, of course, Chris Delcani. Delcani comes to TCU in the fall of 2009. Uh, he is commissioned with one job, and that was to get the Frogs into a BCS conference. I don't know. Um, we can talk about the highs and the lows. There is so much to celebrate with this. There's a lot to complain about as fans. But I, I just don't have a bitter taste in my mouth, and I'm grateful for what Delcani has done. Jeremiah, you followed this program uh or Jeremy, you followed this program. Me. Jeremy, you followed this program for a while. Written about it, followed it, been on the inside at times. What is the lasting impact of Chris Delcani upon Texas Christian University athletics?
3: Well, I think anytime anyone walks up to TCU and sees the look of the athletic facilities, you look at Amon Carter Stadium. That's Chris DelConne. I mean, that was that was a big push behind him. You look at uh, the Showmeyer Arena um formerly daniel meyer Coliseum, i mean look look at what that looks like now Uh, just look at the upgraded facilities for baseball he's he's single-handedly or not single-handedly i don't want to give him all the credit but he's been a big big part of over 300 million dollars worth of renovations to tcu's athletic programs and just look at what they're doing right now i mean they've got a perennial top 25 football program of course he's not the coach but He's kept the coach there. He's When when other programs have come in after Gary Patterson, Chris Connie's done a great job of keeping Patterson around, making sure he's taken care of, making sure his staff is taken care of. Schlossnagel, been gone to the College World Series four years in a row, uh, arguably the top baseball coach in America. Um, just going over there to uh, Lupton Stadium and, and looking what the renovations look like now and just knowing that you can – go basically uh, every year to a TCU baseball game with them being ranked in the top 10 and most of the time ranked in the top five. That's his commitment to making sure the TCU baseball is doing good. And, and when other programs like even Texas last year had Jim on their short list and wanted to bring him down to Austin, Chris did a great job of keeping him around Fort Worth and look at basketball. I mean, look at where we're talking about right now, guys, for basketball. We're talking about a 10 and O team there the they win the NIT championship the first year and that was that was uh Del Connie going out and getting Jamie Dixon, stealing him away from Pitt, where he was uber successful, just successful every year. So many so many uh, uh March Madness uh, NCAA tournament appearances and, and, and what Jamie Dixon's doing down in Fort Worth for TCU basketball right now is nothing short of amazing. I mean it's just incredible. But I think the main thing that that we can Really, just as as media and, and for TCU fans, the way you guys look at it, look look at where TCU is at right now. They're in the Big Twelve, and and the thing that I remember most about Chris uh, when when TCU got into the Big Twelve, just the emotion that that dude had the day they announced that they were going to the Big Twelve. The dude's up there in tears because he worked so hard at getting TCU in that place, and I think he's taken, I think what a lot of people are saying is Chris always has to be busy. And I think for the most part, I think he feels that maybe his job at TCU is done and maybe he needs to go on um, to another place where he feels like he's got another big objective to work at. But yeah, I think there's, there's so many things that he's going to be remembered for, for TCU. He's going to be known as the best AD ever for the program, in my opinion. And and, uh, he should be. But yeah, it's it's a big loss for the frogs, man. I think he's going to do great things for Texas.
1: You know, your comment about he kind of ran out of things to do—that's kind of that's been on my mind because you know a second major renovation to the football stadium, the basketball arena is is top notch. Lupton is is everything you've been wanting. College college baseball, atmosphere, playoff baseball there is is, is amazing. He's been able to retain three you know, retain the two best coaches in, in, in football and baseball in, in the Big Twelve and I think almost in the country, and then to get Jamie Dixon to come here. His staff is strong, the facilities are strong, the capital is strong, there's no debt. Those are all things that, that are a direct result of his leadership and so you know I mean I am frustrated that he's leaving I'm not mad but I wish he was still here but I see what he likes to do I don't know what else he was there there was to do here now you can say the next level to start putting championship trophies in the in the uh on the wall and I like that but he's done everything that was asked of him here in exceeded expectations and there's no way to grade his tenure here other than a to a plus
3: Jeremy, Definitely A plus. I
1: think it's A plus. Yeah, I I completely agree. I completely agree. The only thing that would make it an A is the um the previous reign in or regime in, in basketball, and I don't really want to blame anybody about that. It was just bad. So
3: that, And you know what's what was what else was great about Chris is like he was one of those uh guys in such a high position, but he never he never came off as one of those guys that were like that. He was very approachable, very outgoing, would talk to anyone that was around he he i mean jeremiah can speak for it. he always talked to us on the sidelines uh, at the tcu games and and just was was very uh outgoing and, and just just a pleasure to talk with you know when i when i spent that day with coach patterson and i wore my infamous green shirt he was the guy giving me all kinds of hell about it you know just joking around how can you wear this green shirt to tcu but he that's just what kind of guy he was he just very uh approachable and just outgoing. And, and I I don't think you see that with a lot of guys in his position across the country, especially uh, at, a, you know, being a, being a D over a, over a uh, university that has so many successful programs.
1: Jeremiah, you got any thoughts on, on what his major accomplishments were? There's obviously the, the banners that are hanging and the realignment that he was able to put the frogs in a great position for, but what else kind of comes to your mind when you think about what Chris Del
2: Conte accomplished at TCU? I just, I, I'm not saying anything about uh, TCU athletics before Chris Conte, Um but I mean, I just, I look at TCU athletics as big time now. I think with everything that he did, um, you know, fundraising and just bringing an excitement to TCU and like he's been, you know, I've heard this, this said about him by multiple people, but he has the gift of gab, you know, and he's just, he's got that air about him. When he walks into a room, he commands attention, um, but he's, he's a great guy. Uh, he really, really built this athletic program, um, helped build it. I mean, I believe that the part, the pieces were in place. I feel like he might have been the the missing puzzle piece, you know, and uh, they just really just turned the facilities around like Jeremy touched on. That was one of the things I was going to say is he was always so approachable. You know, um, he was, you know, he'd bring bring, you know, drinks and, and snacks down to people at the baseball game to, at, at Lup dinner. He'll you know, I, this is not this is no lie. I saw an, a student one night at Lupton apparently had had too much to drink and threw up in, in the stands. Chris Delcani's down there cleaning it up. Now, I don't know, man, that's the craziest thing I'd ever seen. The guy's, you know, in this anti- expensive Italian suit, you know, and here he is over here cleaning up a mess in the stands. So, Hey, you know, n- nothing was too, too sm- Nobody was too small time for him. Nobody, you know, he always made time for everybody. Um, the guy was just, he was a pleasure to be around and he's, you know, he's going to be successful everywhere he goes, you know? And one thing to keep in mind is when, when conference realignment comes around, uh, I think TC in a pretty good spot. Cause you know, wherever Texas is going to go, uh, you know, I, I feel like TC will probably be right there with them because Chris Del is going to go to bat for him.
1: You know, it really comes down to if, you know, we can, we can do a whole episode on realignment, but our, our only job was to put ourselves above Texas tech and diminish them at all costs. And I think, I think we're in a spot that Del Connie was both able to raise us above them in terms of being an athletic program. Cause it's not Baylor. If, if there's a, if there's a splinter in the big 12, nobody's going to want Baylor. And, um, you know, Del Conte being at Texas, I think, is going to be helpful. There's also going to be a downside to it, Daniel. I love, uh, I love your cheery, positive attitude on days like this. I think you wrote us yesterday and said this was the worst day of your life. Um, <laughs> cue the music. How do you feel about Del Conte not going to, to Alabama or Florida or USC, but going to Texas? Does that sit well, or is that a bitter, bitter pill to swallow?
0: Anywhere else is fine, but not Texas.
3: That,
0: that's what makes this so bad. Um, uh, you know, Stanford, uh, you know, I always I was assumed he'd go somewhere uh, back out west. <clears throat> but I, I, I see that he wants a big challenge. That is a hell of a challenge to take on down there. Um, he always told us um, when he spoke at uh, various lunches and things, he liked to preface his, you know, little um, – it well, wasn't a speech, but it's just kind of a little, you know, a, a rehashing of the, the state of how things are going. And he would always say that, you know, he, he runs an enterprise based on the fans, us, our passions – well, you are in for it now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't really know exactly what uh, he's gonna do down there. They have just hired several coaches. Um, you know, so they're they're fresh. Uh, they don't need they don't exactly need a lot of fundraising, seeing as how they have all the money they could ever want. Um, my guess is he's just gonna go down there and. Try and get it cleaned up and turned around, but I don't know, man. That's that's an, a unique place. And um I kinda of wish him well, like career-wise, but I also want miserable failure because it's Texas.
1: Spoken like a good fan. I can I can resonate with, with all of that. I can I, I you know, I'm old enough to remember when Dennis Franchoni left. And I, I I could have never cared if he walked back on the campus. I, I obviously am at the other end of the spectrum with with Del Conte. So wishing the best. I know he's going to do well. I'll be curious to see how he handles the meat grinder. If there's any, if he can't do it, no one can. Because uh, Texas is a is its own little monster. I saw this comment on Twitter the other day that said his number one job is to reconcile the generational long feud between the Dallas Fort Worth big money donors and the Houston big money donors. And I was like, "You people, this is why your this is why your athletic program is in a ditch because you have rival donors rather than a desire to win football games."
0: Yeah, so. they're they're their own problem.
1: They are. It's like sands through the hourglass. So is the days of our lives. So, you know, I, one of the things I wanted to highlight about about uh, Del Connie and I, and we're going to transition this uh, a little bit here to the potential for our new AD. You know, his his job description when he got hired was essentially one sentence. Get us into a BCS conference where we know we will thrive. I think every Frog fan in two thousand eight, two thousand nine knew if the football program could get in a BCS back then a BCS conference that they would do well, that they would they would be successful, and kind of had that same confidence in the baseball program. Obviously, the the the, the basketball program took a few more years. But he did everything that was asked of him here, and it was one job, get us into a big conference where our money and our resources and our university can thrive in the the location that we have in Fort Worth. And he did everything that was asked of him, and we've done well. This next athletic director that we are be naming tomorrow at 2 o'clock, there was a press release about that tonight, he's got one job. And that is to position us for the next round of realignment. That means retaining coaches. That means continuing to invest in the program. You have a one-sentence job description, and that's position TCU for the next wave of realignment that's going to come earlier rather than later. So. That's, that's my hunch. Jeremy, you said you've heard some names about the potential AD that could be named. You you feel comfortable talking yeah, about that? Yeah, I mean,
3: that? the only the only name I've really heard is uh, Jeremiah Donati, and that's kind of been Del Connie's right-hand man. I think everyone has seen him at football games and basketball games, and um, I know he's always at the away games. Every, every away game myself and Jeremiah went to this year, I always saw him and uh, i've talked to several people tonight and that's who all who all of them are saying it's going to get the job and uh th- and, and when this stuff happened yesterday and i started reaching out making some calls the one guy that kept coming up that they hoped tc would hire was donati and uh so he's obviously done something good enough um i guess what you can say is you're losing del Connie, but I guess the next best replacement for as far as TCU fans would go is replacing them with a guy that is almost just like him and, uh, and, and has that experience and, and knows, uh, you know, how to be successful because you're learning from arguably one of the best athletic directors in the country and Chris. So I think it would be a good hire. Um, he's young. He's going to be energetic. I know a lot of fans are probably looking for someone that had a, a little bit, uh, more experience and, and maybe someone from a big program. Um, but this is this is kind of what I thought from the beginning. I, I, I thought as soon as I heard the name, uh, as soon as I heard Del Connie was leaving, that they would probably try to hire um, someone from within just because that's the way TCU sometimes does things. And uh, I think he'll do a good job. And, and like I said, again, the, the folks I've spoke with tonight are, are super pumped about it and uh, think he's going to do a great job.
1: Well, and if, no, if no that's Jeff who – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Daniel.
3: no, No Jeff
0: Long? I mean I, I heard that name. He's free. He's not busy.
3: Well, <laughs> I, I will say this. I, I think the fact that they're already announcing it because everyone keeps – is this the interim label or is this the real deal? And, and uh, Jeff, you got the same email I got. I mean they sent it out as a media release, and Jeremiah, you probably did too, that, that this is, there's a press conference to announce the new – athletic director not the interim but the new and the fact that they felt like they could do this so quickly it kind of i i haven't given, been given any kind of timeline how long del Conning was talking to texas i know it was a long process for them to hire an ad down there and the best estimate i've been given is uh several weeks that he was talking so maybe in the interim he was telling tcu hey if i do take this job jeremiah is the best guy to 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 replace me with He needs to, he's my endorsement. That's who you guys need to get. So it kind of makes me feel like they already had the, they already had the the guy to replace Chris. The second Chris announced his uh, departure to Texas. And the fact that they announced it so fast without hiring a search committee or anything like that proves to me that they believe he could do the job and he's done some other things, um, as as well as helping Chris with the with the uh, fundraising and everything else, that he's proven that he can do the job if it's given to him. So the fact that they're turning around and making this announcement so soon is uh, pretty important, I think.
1: If this is who uh, Vic Mashimi wants, that's who I want. If this is who the, this, the coaches want, this is who I want. I, I know that there's a very clear pyramid of who answers to who, but this had to have they had to ask, you know, hey, the three, the best, you know, holy trinity of coaching combo in the country. What do you guys think of this? I'm sure that they uh, unofficially signed off on it. So I'm sure if if Panderson wants him, that's who I want. If 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 wants him, that's who I want. If 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 Chancellor Bishimy wants him, that's who I want. So I feel like it's a it's a good move. I would have I would have been happy if we could have uh, hired Oliver Luck. If we would have hired Reed Ryan, I would have been great with that. But it sounds like Jeremiah Donati's the guy, and I'm going to be behind him 100%. The only thing I would ask is, frog fans, don't tweet him every time there's a bathroom that's, got, that's clogged up at, Dan, at, uh, at the Shoalmire. Don't, don't complain that your season tickets showed up a day later than you thought they would in August. That's one of the few things that annoyed me to no end about TCU fans was the, the, the availability of Crystal County was amazing, but it also fed to some, some, some entitlement and people felt free to complain. So maybe, um, maybe, maybe just go ahead and dial that back just a touch. That's, that's my, uh, my personal request there. All right. One last thing here before we move on to recruiting, just, you, you've kind of already touched on this, Jeremy. My, my or Jeremy, but let's let's give everybody a chance to weigh in here that hasn't yet. When you think about the status of TCU sports before Christel County was hired and where the program is now, the whole athletic department at this point in December of 2017, is there any way to describe it other than night and day? How would you guys look at, at what his biggest accomplishment was in this window, especially looking at where we were and where we are now?
3: Well, I think the football program was already good. Um, Obviously, Gary had been coaching almost 10 years by the time Delconi came aboard. But as far as uh, everything else, like I said, the stadium renovations, um, the basketball renovations, the baseball, I mean, just keeping keeping those coaches happy and and keeping on board for TCU when – They've been so successful, and all these other programs are coming in, showing them big money, and and somehow or another, Chris DelConi was able to keep them around Fort Worth, and the fact that he's brought in. I mean, we're I mentioned earlier, we're 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 talking TCU basketball now, guys. I mean, this is this is it. We're talking about a uh uh. We're
1: staying up till midnight t- to watch TCU basketball. <laughs>
3: Well, I was, and I had to get up at, I had to get up at 4:30 on Saturday morning for, you know, kids stuff. But, uh, I know Jeremiah stayed up and watched it, but yeah, that they've, they've beat some very good teams and I don't want to make this into a basketball podcast, but the fact that Connie went out and got Jamie Dixon back home and, 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 uh, just the success they've had in such a, a short amount of time, you've got to give them credit. I mean, he, he, he puts it out there. You, if you tell Chris Connor he can't do something, he's gonna he's gonna show you how he can do it, and uh, that's that's gonna be his legacy at TCU. I, I think when people look back, and no one could have ever imagined the success that. TCU football is having or TCU baseball and basketball and even other sports that we don't mention a whole lot on the women's side or just some of the smaller sports like tennis and soccer and, and some of those other programs, a, a lot of those programs are doing very good and they're doing, they're having some of the best seasons they've ever had in the history of TCU sports. So yeah, he's, he's uh, definitely left the uh, program, uh, TCU sports programs in a, in a better place than what it was when he got here in 2009.
1: Jeremiah, what are what are some of your final thoughts on Del Conte and his leadership?
2: You know, kind of like Jeremy said, I, I think you, the main question you have to ask is, is the program, athletic program as a whole, is it better now than it was when he took over? And I, I think you have to say yes. Um, you go from the Mountain West Conference where you're bringing in, I think, what was, what was their TV deal, about a million and a half a year, to where I think last year they made about 34 million on their portion of the big 12 pie. So, yeah. um, I mean, just that alone is huge to be able to neg- navigate that and put them in that kind of financial situation. Um, the football team is profitable. They're breaking uh, records every year for season tickets sold. Uh, like I said, new stadium, you know, baseball program, just on a roll. Uh, you just, you have to just tip your hat to the guy. He did an incredible job while he was here and uh, the TCU fans uh, should be very happy with with what he did for this for this school.
1: Anybody else have any other closing thoughts on Del County's leadership before we dive into recruiting?
3: He's dead to me. <laughs> we should tell we should tell everyone right now that Daniel runs that Toad to Omaha account on Twitter. Oh. No, 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 I do not. <laughs> no, that is not me. Oh right, well, man! I just I just wanted to give you an opportunity to not sound so harsh against Del Connie. Now you're now you're no, defending him, no. you know, so that's good. So that's good. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought that was. I, your, thought I figured that would get you to defend yourself a little bit from being so harsh on the guy. Well, I mean, I'm I not serious. He's not dead to me. <laughs> I
1: swore that was you front end that that account. All those kind no. were. <laughs> Nasty nasty replies. Nasty replies.
3: <laughs> yeah, whoever runs mm. that is obviously not very happy.
1: It's a she, by the way.
3: Oh really? Do oh, I yeah. know? Her?
1: I don't know. I don't know. She's blocked and unblocked me about half a dozen times. So uh,
0: I wanna say I have an idea, but I'm not gonna say anything while no. recording.
1: Oh, you definitely should say something while we're recording. Definitely.
3: Could she possibly I, be a subscriber to uh Horned Frog Blitz? Not anymore. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's this you old
3: lady know. that sits in
0: Section 205 at the baseball games. Okay, I don't know. We've narrowed it down now. And we've she has a
1: Twitter? Down. Yes. Good for her. She does. She's very ah. active. The only time I've ever interacted with her is she blocked me when, when – when uh, when DelConi announced that we were we were canceling the home and home with Ohio State and moving to to Jerry World for the one game, she just had this string of comments to him, and I said, you know, he's the greatest AD in the world because he's willing to to put up with you and respond politely, but you just need to to let it go because it was it was not quite exactly what he, she was saying the other day, but it was it was of that ilk, and man, I was. Uh, I was put in my place by her. She blocked me. And then she unblocked me later. I guess she, she just missed the podcast. So oh, if you're listening, we love it. We're, we're so glad you're a listener. We're so glad. So... All right. let let's right, uh, let's Speaking of awkward transitions, let's go ahead and dig into recruiting here. We've set another weekend of official visits. Jeremy, why don't you give us an update? Who was on campus? What are some of the feedback that we're getting? We're going to get to our decommitment as well as a possible new commitment here in a minute. But tell us a little bit about the guys that are committed that were on campus this weekend and, and, and give us an update.
3: Well, it was a, a small weekend for visitors as far as uh, the numbers go. They only had four guys and three of them were commitments. Bross and Jackson. O'Shawn Mathis and Ben Wilson all made it in and uh, all had a good time. I'm still trying to confirm. I'm, I'm pretty sure Ben Wilson's going to sign early. I'm pretty sure O'Shawn and Bryson are all going to sign early. Bryson's going to sign early. He's going to be uh, uh, early and early in January, so I need to update him on that list. But um, the other other name that made it to town was Fabian Franklin, um, the four-star running back out of Mississippi. He had a extremely good visit. Um, coaches feel uh, really excited about um, him joining the fold, and uh, I I think pretty much he's gonna be decommitting pretty soon to Mississippi State. I mean, they have so much uncertainty down there. But um, if they're they're able to get him, that'd be big for their running back recruitment. As far as uh, them wanting a big running back type, he definitely fits the mold. He's 5'11", 200, Not as fast as um. It, you, they wanted to, ideally, guys, you want to go out and find a, a guy like Darius Anderson because, you know, when you got have a guy like that, you're going to be able to run the football. And I think Darius kind of spoiled a lot of uh, a lot of the coaching staff because it, it seems like you can find those diamond in the rough tops because Darius was really under-recruited late in his senior year until he started exploding for 250-yard games in the playoffs and everyone wanted him. Um, but... Franklin is a guy that has that weight, and he's not quite as fast as Darius, but he is a good running back, and uh, they'd be great to get him um, if he does decide to go ahead and uh, pull the trigger and commit to the Frogs, uh, and that's it, man, that's that's all the visitors that were in town, I know next weekend's gonna be a bigger weekend, they're gonna try to get in a majority of their uh, commitments, um, get them locked down that one last time. It'll be the last uh, weekend for official visitors before signing day starts on December 20th and runs through the 22nd. So getting a lot of those players in that last weekend is going to be big. And uh, it, it will uh, be some, uh, there'll be some uncommitted players in town. Coburn's going to be there. Corbin, the running back out of Florida, is going to be there as well. Um, some of the bigger names that are left on the radar. And I'm going to get, uh, a better idea of who else is going to come in as far as the uncommitted players. Vernon Jackson could be another possibility of a guy coming in. Uh, Derek Turner, uh, he uh, they would love for him to come in earlier, but he was playing in the state championship game down in Louisiana this weekend, so he didn't have a chance. But uh, Derek Turner should be coming in, uh, which they will should be able to uh, lock that one down uh, next weekend. Of course, Justin Rogers is going to be in next weekend. Uh, Coach Patterson had a visit with him in home tonight, so trying to lock him up. But uh, I would keep an eye on A and M, not for the fact that I think Justin's leaning toward A and M, but they're supposed to be making it in home with him this week. This week, some point, uh, I know Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher is going to be visiting with Terrace, and they're most likely going to be visiting with Justin while they're in town. And, and don't count out the possibility just because Justin's going down to TCU next weekend. Don't count out the possibility that he can visit college station at any point between monday and basically friday morning uh he could Who's do it. This man? <laughs> daniel was waiting to push that i know he was oh um, he was so ready to yeah, push he, that. he had his finger above that button for the last 45 seconds uh but no, <laughs> he, he, he can make a midweek visit so it doesn't completely rule out the possibility that he he won't visit but the good news is is if he's enrolling early, he's still got to sign early. So it's it's going to be great for TCU to have that last kind of, not I don't want to say chance because he's committed to them. Um, and just the, the last opportunity for them to be in front of him and, and really leave a good feeling about TCU in his head as he leaves and, and makes that decision to to sign uh, that week of December 20th. But yeah, I mean, rambled on here about this past weekend, but it should be an exciting next couple of weeks for the Frogs.
1: Yeah, it should be an exciting couple of weeks. You're going to have a, a lot of anxiety from people that follow TCU recruiting. I can't imagine what the staff's going to be going through. But you, you reiterated what's been on my mind for the last week now. But that 20th through the 22nd, that's a three day window. It's it's not the one day window like just on your average old national signing day in February. Everything was done by noon except for the the stray letter that got caught up in the fax machine or some some player from South Texas that doesn't have a fax machine you're going to have a 3 day window it's going to be the highest concentration of page views on hornfrog blitz Maybe ever, <laughs> because the minute somebody doesn 't have their letter in by ten a m on the twentieth, the whole board is going to melt down. All fans are going to go crazy, but it 's going to be across it 's going to be across all fan bases so i, I can 't wait it's going be a it 's going to be a great couple of days there for TCU and I, I think you 're going to see a lot of these guys, um, especially the guys that are going to be there next weekend, that are going to sign early and take advantage of that early signing day that way the staff has got a much more narrow focus going forward. One of the guys you didn't mention, is Jamar Chase going to have an official next weekend? Is he going to be on campus?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, Jamar Chase is definitely one of those guys that should be visiting. I think he's going to try to make it in for next weekend. I think he had tweeted out that he was going to be coming in to uh, TCU on December 16th, uh, which would be next weekend. So, And they're they're anticipating him coming down. That's, that's the weekend where a lot of their top targets are going to be in town with a lot of their committed players, which is pretty smart because they want those guys in their ears the whole time and, and talking about the Frogs and, and joining the program.
1: That's going to be a lot of talent on campus that weekend. My goodness, that's going to be a lot of guys. Well, we did have a decommitment this evening here. We're, we're recording this almost nine o'clock on Sunday evening. We had a we had a uh, early we had a commitment earlier this evening. Uh, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about about the the story on that and, and who the frogs lost in their recruiting class.
3: Uh, Tejon Henry decommitted, and I think it's I think it's was kind of one of those uh, mutual. Decisions, I guess, on both parts. Uh, maybe it was time for uh, Henry to look around and, and uh, for TCU's sake, if they had a chance to to get a bigger back, which is something that I've mentioned the whole time throughout this whole recruiting process, that they would try to go after. Then they they were gonna they were gonna go after that back and and, and choose the bigger back over the smaller scat back, and, and that's something that obviously Tejon looked at too, and. As a business decision, like I mentioned last year, when uh, Tristan Ebner decommitted from TC and went to Baylor, look how that worked out for him. He got to play all kinds of plays this year. And and for Henry, I don't know what kind of impact he would have had early on because there's so many players like him that are committed right now. And and if you look at a guy like Kennedy Snell, he's just like Tejon Henry. And I don't think Tejon would have came in and and, uh, played over Kennedy Snell anytime soon. So it's not a – you know, as far as the highlight reel goes, I mean, yeah, he makes a lot of plays. He, he looks pretty good. But as far as the, the big picture, I think if the Frogs have a chance to get a guy like Franklin and a guy like Corbin out of Florida, then that's definitely uh, an upgrade as far as what they wanted to recruit for this 2018 class. You got to think, they're losing Kyle Hicks. They've got Darius next year, Shewo, and Kennedy Snell, and... I really don't have any idea where they're going to play Van Zant yet. I don't think they even know yet. Um, I'm I'm thinking he's going to stay. He's going to be playing on defense. Um, But if you look at that running back depth chart, kind of gets bare after uh, next year. After uh, Darius and Shayo are going to be juniors already next year, and then what do you have? I mean, you got you you really don't have anyone playing behind them besides a Kennedy Snell type running back. No knock on Kennedy, but he's not going to carry the ball 20 to 25 times like a, like a Kyle Hicks or Darius Anderson can. So it was, it's very important for them to go out and find a bigger back, the 190 to 210 pound range. Um, and that's the two guys that they're looking at right now, the Fabian Franklin and, uh, Jay Sean Corbin out of Florida.
1: No, I think running back is really the the issue of depth in this recruiting class, and it sounds like if the frogs are able to land Franklin, which looks like it's going to happen, and then you know have keep Corbin warm, hopefully get him to, to 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 make the most of that visit, that that would really add some much needed depth. So glad glad to see that. I think that that's a strong strong move. Anything else on the recruiting front, Jeremy or Jeremiah, that you guys have that you think our our listeners would want to know about? This is this is the time, as Coach Patterson would say, recruiting is heating up. What do you know that we don't know that we would love to know?
2: I actually just had a question for Jeremy about a kid that TCU had offered, and I haven't really heard anything on him. Uh, the safety, uh, I believe he's from Georgia. He was committed to Tennessee. His last name is Dean. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I haven't really heard much on him either. Um, I know that obviously they're going to offer because he was committed to a program that had no clue who they were going to have as a coach. Uh, and, and that's a smart thing by them to go out and, and offer some of those guys that have those coaching replacements. But, um, I'm going to have to do some checking on that. I know the main priority for them defensive back wise right now is hanging on to Eddie Smith. I know Eddie went up to Missouri this weekend and, and, uh, You know that was something that the TCU coaches knew he was going to do. They kind of hoped that he wasn't going to do it, but I don't think they're too worried about Missouri, but Tennessee does open some eyes. I mean, that's uh, a program that offered him a long time ago, and now they've got a new coach in there, and they offered him again, I think, last night or today. I can't remember which which day it was, but he's a couple people I talked to said that Tennessee does kind of intrigue him a little bit, so that's something to definitely watch, and uh, I've, I haven't heard anything about Eddie being a December 20th signee or an early enrollee. So that's one of those guys where you got to watch if, if he doesn't sign early that maybe he does end up going and taking a visit up to Knoxville and checking out the volunteers and, and what their program's about now, that Jeremy Pruitt's the uh, new coach up there. But it, it, it's that time of year, guys, where not only are you trying to land your – uh uh, top prospects, but you're trying to hold on to the prospects you've already got committed and, uh, keep the other programs, um, out from coming in and poaching them out from underneath you. And, uh, this is the most stressful time of the year for coaches. Any coach will tell you that from December all the way to February signing day, it is very stressful for them.
1: You know, this time of the year has got to be stressful because the the best image I can think of, it's kind of shallow is, you know, you're engaged, you got your wedding date set, You're moving towards your date, but then somebody you don't really know comes in that's kind of cute and says, hey, you want to go out? And you're like, sure. That's got to be frustrating for the staff to, to know that, the, you know, a guy, guy like Eddie Smith, who I think is going to end up signing here and is obviously uh, committed to the program and very talented, but, you know, other teams are coming in and seeing seeing what TCU sees, and I know they got a new staff there at Tennessee, and they want to, quote, show him the love, but that's that's just a lot of moving pieces for recruiting, and um, somebody, so, you know, I never fault a kid for wanting to explore all of their options. It's, it's his choice, not mine, but I can't wait for the first signing day to get here and see how much of the Hey, they can get into the barn and then really focus on those last few kids um, leading up to February. So real quick question. Don't, or, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy.
3: It, like I said, it's going to be a pretty busy time for them um, basically the rest of this month and January because, I mean, it's not too long before they're going to ha- have their first junior day for the 2019 class. And uh, that gets started in January. They, they seem to move that up every year earlier every I think the earliest I've seen it was the week before signing day the weekend before signing day so I would expect the first junior day to be sometime uh, in late January again this year and and them trying to add some of those uh, add to the class of 2019 they've only surprisingly only has uh, they only have one commitment right now and that's that's just shocked me uh, more than anything I mean the 2018 class hasn't really shocked me they've they've done a great job but the fact that they've only got that that one commit right now. That's, that's kind of surprising to me. And, uh, I think, uh, that first junior day, they'll have a wave of guys coming in. One guy I want to mention that I know the fans will like to hear about is, uh, Wyatt Harris out of Lido, the 2019, uh, defensive back. He's, he's going to play, he's going to get up to a linebacker size. He's already six, three, two Oh eight right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, TC starts making a move on him real quick because sweet he's, uh, obviously a, uh, Obviously, a legacy over there at TCU with his two brothers over there already. Wyatt, not Wyatt, but uh, Wes and Hunter, uh, playing offensive line over there for the Frogs. And and Wyatt's he's not quite as big as his two older brothers, but he's a lot faster. And he's uh, he's a player that has just made all kinds of plays since he's a freshman for Alito. So that would be a name to keep a close eye on in the next. Following weeks,
1: I know we got an Alito boy on the podcast here. Daniel, you got to be excited about seeing another Harris kid. They got they're gonna have to have four or five more kids, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Uh, I'd be okay yeah. with that. Uh,
1: no kid. With the, the we're gonna have the Schobles that had that three, we're gonna have the Harris. Hopefully, they have three. I, I saw that, uh, that uh, Wyatt had been recruited. Um, SMU had shown some interest, Arkansas had shown some interest, so hopefully.
3: Oklahoma's showing Oklahoma's showing very, very strong interest. Like they they think Oklahoma could be real close to offer. Crap. Because they have they have Jace and uh, yeah. Jeffrey Carter committed to Oklahoma right now, Lido teammates. So
2: he, he need to add that Colton Ellison kid to go with yeah. him and get him and Jason
3: McClellan. Yeah, uh, McClellan's committed to OU, Carter's committed to OU, and uh, the kid Jeremiah just mentioned the Ellison kid. <coughs> Excuse me. He's getting he's getting answers from several programs. And TCU is one of those programs that are looking at him as well.
1: You know, somebody from from one of the other sites, one of the uh, rivals for for another program, he had said that he's already hearing that uh, Jace McClellan McCallum is going to be the number one player in the 2020
3: class. Well, we've got some rankings out already and he's not. He's not okay. They said that they believed it,
1: but by the time he was at the end of his junior year, he would be the number one player in the country. I don't know. If, I don't know about that. Uh,
2: but. He's a good player, yeah. but he is not the number one. I'm, no knock on the kid, but he's not the number one player in the country in my eyes. I, I mean, I've only seen him a couple of times. And he's very good, but I just I don't see how he can even be considered for that that high of a ranking. Was
0: well, that person like his dad?
2: No, no, no! It was
1: not his dad. It was, it was his uncle. he Ball. <laughs> his uncle. It was It was not his dad. It was his uncle. <laughs> of course. So, no, 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 no! I, it's somebody I trust. I'm not going to name them here because they, they're. Why? Not, they're name not, them uh, now. <laughs> they're nice people. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, let's 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 move on here. Um, anything else on the recruiting front before we move on?
3: I mean, you can ask some questions. If anyone has any questions from the board, they want to ask.
1: You know, I didn't do message answers. I didn't do questions from the board this week because honestly, I just didn't. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take the. Uh, well, why isn't this guy's name on the list? Because uh, or why isn't this guy signing early? Well, I thought we had plenty to talk about here with 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 what we had. The last thing I wanted to to talk about is. Uh, the new head coach at SMU. What do you hear on that front, Jeremy? It sounds like the, they might be close to making a higher.
3: Yeah, I think the Frogs are going to be losing one. They're going to be losing Sonny. Not
1: Cumbie. Sonny. I knew Sonny. I knew Sonny. Are you sure it's not Sonny Cumbie? I heard it was Sonny Cumbie.
3: No, it's not going to be Sonny Cumbie. It's going to, it, I'm joking. All eyes are pointing to uh, Sonny Dykes, which makes sense. I mean, he gets to stay in the area. Um, he's had head coaching experience before, so that would be a pretty good hire for them. I know, uh, some people want a Jeff trailer, but Jeff doesn't have any experience whatsoever. Um, being a, uh, major college coach, but I think, uh, going out and getting docs would be good for them. He could, he could take a couple of TCU coaches with him as far as those GAs go.
1: I hope he does. There's a couple GAs that might not be able to to stay on here just because time's running out. I hope he, I hope he does. Those are there's some uh, there's some good staff there at TCU. So if Sonny makes his way across town, Sonny Dykes that is, if he makes his way across DFW into Highland Park, I hope I hope he takes some good guys that are going to get an opportunity they wouldn't get at TCU. So yeah, Dr- Jeff Trailer, do you think that the frogs would have a spot for him? I'm a big fan of his. I know he's not qualified yet to be the head coach at SMU, but I really think he's a great recruiter.
3: Yeah, he's a he's a great recruiter. Um, I don't I don't think he would be, I don't think he would, as far as uh, what they would have. I mean, I don't think they're going to have any openings. But he would be mo- mainly an offensive guy. And I think Gary, I think Gary would bring him on just because of his East Texas roots. I mean, he would be dumb not to at least call. Um, but yeah, I, as far as uh, that goes, I mean, Jeff would be a awesome. Awesome uh, asset to the program and, and to Gary Patterson's staff. As far as uh, going out and getting some of those East Texas gyms, but as far as just a position coach, I'm not. I'm not sure if he would really fit into the the way things are going right now.
1: Hmm. Well, we'll, I think there will be some musical chairs of coaching staff here in a couple of weeks as as we move towards bowl games. Other guys get hired. People start to fill out their staff. Then there's always another wave the minute that the pins are dry on signing day of of shuffling around of, of coaches and folks like that. So something to keep an eye on moving forward. Just something to keep an eye on. Well, guys, I didn't, you know, it was Thursday, and I didn't know if we were going to have enough content for our show. But needless to say, we had a lot happen. So hopefully, uh, you guys enjoy this podcast. We're going to have a, a another show next week, and then we're probably going to take a break after um, lean it after National Signing Day. We'll do something previewing the bowl, and then I'm going to have a kid at January one at the moment. So. We will uh, – we probably won't record on January 1st. You know, you guys can do it without. Maybe I'll just record a show from the delivery room. So we might be taking a couple-week couple break there, but we'll get back on it for, for the Frogs as they ramp up towards the second wave of National Signing Day.
3: That's awesome, dude. Congrats on the baby.
1: Yeah, I know, man. I'm so uh, – I should clarify. My wife is having a child. January so.
3: 1st, though. How come not December 31st?
1: Dude, I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can to to um, uh, see if we can get that kid here on December 31st. That way we can get the whole year for the, the tax credit of having a, a third son <laughs> under 18. You want that, man. You want that. I'm, I'm bipolar here. I have a, a three-year-old, a soon-to-be newborn, and an 18-year-old. So. I thought I was going to be an empty nester at forty-two. Let's just say that's not the case. I'm gonna. We were the youngest parents with our oldest son, and then they're going to think it's grandparents' day when I take the youngest one to kindergarten. So.
3: Hey, I got a question for the guys. What did y'all think about Baker winning the Heisman? I thought it was well deserved. I thought. Move this man. <laughs> I thought he was the best
2: player in college football this year, so uh, he deserved it.
1: Definitely. There was no debate. He he had the third largest margin of victory in history.
3: Did y'all... Uh, uh, go ahead, Daniel. Did y'all believe the sincerity in his voice?
0: I didn't watch anything.
2: No, absolutely not, but that doesn't matter. He's still the best player. I mean, look, it's a guy that you hate to play against because he just, he just rubs you the wrong way, and he, and he does have so much of... The, I'm not gonna say it. He's just got that factor about him that rubs people the wrong way, but he's, you think hell he's of a, a player. Chris, Chris?
1: You know, I'm not a fan of his in terms of like his antics, but dude, there's there's just no denying he's the best player in college football. Um I guess where I will draw a line is oh gosh, I'm just gonna go there. There's a big difference between getting arrested for drinking too much in college and uh some other things that college athletes have been accused of. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. I'll just put it that way. He is not in the bad person. He's just probably no fun to be around. That's, that's kind of the way I would look at it. I think he felt, I think he felt, uh, appreciative of all the people that helped him get there. You know, I I appreciated him thanking his high school coaches and his parents and all the people that took a chance on him. So on that front, I appreciate his gratitude. Um, My disdain for him is just sports disdain. I don't like that just because you don't like a guy. Now you have to demean him in every element of his life. I think it's almost part of what's wrong with our world. I cannot be a fan of his and still know he's a great athlete. He represented himself. Well, he represented the school well, and we don't want to talk about it, but he represented the conference. Well, and I'll, uh, if you you know you don't have to cheer for them, but we all have to know that Oklahoma doing well and winning the national title is going to be good for the conference. And you don't have to chant SEC to know that we could use a boost for our reputation as a conference. And it's going to be Maker Mayfield that does it. So just deal with it. So yeah, I think that's my uh, take on it.
3: I mean, TCU fans should be cheering for Baker Mayfield. I know as hard as that a hard of a pill that is to swallow. I mean, they, they really should. I'm going to be cheering for Baker because I want to see him do good. I mean, he's he, – want. i wanna,
1: I'm pulling for Oklahoma. Yeah,
3: Oklahoma's I representing the Big 12 right now. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's crazy because I've known Baker since his junior year at Lake Travis, I think it was. It was funny, and I'll tell the story because he reminds me so much of Johnny Manziel, the way they play, um, how they're outgoing – but I remember, in, I remember back in those days where it's so hard to get a hold of kids and and do an interview. I wonder if old Johnny would call it, if I can call Johnny and he'd do an interview real quick. I must have had more interviews with Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield more than any other recruit in those in those particular classes when they were coming out. And it's crazy just because they were so accessible and talking. And I feel I feel uh, happy for Baker just because. The dude did come from just a situation where he had a chip on his shoulder and, and he proved everyone wrong. He proved every college wrong that didn't take a chance on him coming out of high school that didn't offer him. And, uh, he, he proved everyone wrong that said he wouldn't be able to do th- big things once he got to college. And kid's been a, kid's been a good quarterback, even at Texas Tech as a true freshman and certainly over at OU. So good props to him for, uh, you know, that's the one thing I think that, he said that he that he really meant at the end of his speech last night when he told kids not to give up on their dreams, because man, that kid had a dream and he 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 made it. I mean, he made it, man. He just uh, against all odds, the kid was freaking five foot two as a freshman in high school. I mean, think about that for a second. Five foot two as a freshman in high school, and now he's the Heisman Trophy winner. So. um tell people they can't accomplish their dreams and, and you know, he, he went out there and did it.
1: Yeah. I say good for him. I say good for him. Yeah. I was pleased with, with Baker Mayfield winning the Heisman just in terms of it. It was logical. He was the best player. He wasn't the best dress man. Lamar Jackson, that guy looks sharp. There's just, there's no two ways around it. That guy looks good. That guy looks good. Well, that's all I've got on my outline. You guys got anything else you want to add before we wrap up?
3: I'm good. I'm
1: good. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking the time here to, to listen to our podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. It'll be right delivered right to your phone. I had a lot of feedback that people look forward to, to downloading this every Monday morning when they get in their car. It helps with their commute. A lot of you know numerous people that, that don't know each other all wrote me this week and said, "Hey, thanks for having this up on Monday. It, it really helps the week go by." So we love we love our listeners, and we hope that you will continue to listen to the Frogcast. So until we get together again next week for Jeremy for Jeremiah. For Daniel, I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.